0: basketball is hood it's time for the under the hood basketball podcast with jonathan hood you love basketball you've come to the right place it is the under the hood basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings. don't forget to use the promo code wmvp and you could be able to check out What you want to bet on as far as the NBA, as far as college basketball, as far as the Super Bowl, right around the corner, DraftKings. It's the place you go, DraftKings.com. Use the promo code WMVP or download the DraftKings app. I am Jay Hood. Thanks so much for checking in on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. On the show, we'll hear from the, the professor, Professor Driz, Andre Snellings from ESPN. We'll get his thoughts about some of the first half action in the NBA. And I want to make this special announcement off the top. I am so honored that the Wind Trust Arena in Chicago, it'll be my radio partner, David Kaplan, and I, we will broadcast the Chipotle Clash of Champions that will take place in Chicago, two great high school games starting at 6 o'clock Central Time, Glen Brooks South against Curie, followed by Sierra Canyon against Glen Bard West, Sierra Canyon led by the son of LeBron James, Bronny James. They're coming in from California, and they will take on Glenbard West. Glenbard West, one of the best teams in high school basketball in the Chicagoland area. So if you are around ESPN Plus on Saturday night, 6 o'clock Central Time, Cap and I will be broadcasting that. I cannot wait to be able to be there courtside. First time seeing... Bronny James, and of course, first time calling one of his games. Vanilla LeBron's going to be watching, and actually the nation, because Bronny James is supposed to be that dude, and we're going to find out. So I'm looking forward to that on Saturday. All right, let me hook up with Andre Snellings. we got plenty to talk about. The Bulls lost against the Toronto Raptors in overtime and a heartbreaker. So we'll talk about that game, and some interesting opponents coming up for the Bulls. Taking on the likes of Philadelphia, taking on the Phoenix Suns. This is... With the Bulls being a couple of men down in the roster, but they got to keep moving. So the trade deadline is right around the corner as well. Who's out there for the Bulls or other teams, all-star snubs, and so much more on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Professor Driz is with us here. Andre Stelings from ESPN and ESPN Radio joining us here as we're getting closer and closer to all-star break here in the NBA. Dre, as always, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is home away from home when I'm in shot town.
0: Let me ask you, man, about the Bulls this season. You know, it is um, – the Bulls have had a lot of resolve this year, and I, and I know that – there are a number of experts that are just like getting laughed at. You say, oh, you know, the Bulls, they're they're supposed to be in the play-in game and they're not supposed to be this good. But I, I give Billy Donovan the Bulls credit for hanging in there and hanging around that number one seed. What, what do you think of the team so far this year in Chicago?
1: Yeah, I think that they have been kind of like a perfect storm of best-case scenarios. Like, we, we talked when, when they put this team together. And, you know, we've been talking for the last year or two about the Bulls. And remember, we talked about, well, could Zach Levine be the best player on a contender? Right. And my point was, well, I think Zach Levine's very good. But I think for a team to be a contender, you would have to have multiple players as good as him. And, they, you know, they would have all have to fit. And in this offseason, when they brought in DeRozan, they'd already brought in Vucevic at the end of last year. And they brought in Lonzo Ball. I remember us talking and I was like, you know, those are three players that either by, you know, reputation and and, and production in the case of Vucevic and DeRozan or according to like the advanced stats, like the plus minus stats really love Lonzo Ball. I was like, those are three players that you could argue are all on Zach Levine's level. The question was, would it work because... They were all offensive-minded players, and would the team have enough defense? And so that's where I think you—you know—would you, you, know, when, when you talk about the experts saying this team is going to be in the play-in? I think that was the expectation. Was like, okay, if this works, they'll be a good offensive team, a bad defensive team, and maybe settle out as like a forty-five-ish win team. Instead, they came out the blocks like gangbusters. Everyone is fitting almost perfectly. And I've been most impressed, I think, like everybody with DeRozan, because his reputation was always that he was a scorer, right? He was in Toronto. He was a scorer, but he didn't have the all-around game. It was Cal Lowry that was the leader in the all-around game. But he messed around and went to San Antonio and learned how to be an all-around player. You know, he, he, he was playing power forward and sometimes like power point guard for, for the Spurs. And he brought that to the Bulls. So now... He's the one out there that to me kind of makes everything work. You know, Levine's a scorer. Vucevic can score. Um, and of course, you know, Lonzo's the point guard when he's healthy. But I feel like DeRozan has become the kind of do everything wing in the more in the vein of like he, he may have once been more like a Jerry Stackhouse and now he's working up the continuum towards LeBron stylistically. And I think he's really the key to the Bulls going from up, you know, a play-in level squad to a squad that can really make some of the big boys nervous um, and who, who looks like they should have a really high seed when the playoffs come along.
0: You know, Dre, I look at the bulls realistically and I know bulls fans won't like me saying this, but I don't care. I'm growing with a mortgage. So I look, (laughs) I, I look at it like this, right? So, the the hierarchy of the East with Giannis and the champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, with Embiid, who is an MVP candidate without question with Philly. I look at what the big three could be with the Nets, even though they're struggling, and we'll talk about them in a moment. But I just take a look at star power, and I just think that that could supersede what the Bulls are doing in a series. In in these one-offs, You know, on the road or at home, you've seen the Bulls being able to go East to West and be able to win these regular season games. But in a seven- game series i'm i'm concerned about the star power the guys that have done it versus the bulls who have come together very nicely how do you look at that as far as the bulls could i mean do you see them likely beating one of the top 3 teams in the east
1: this nba season is so difficult to predict and and i think you know we'll, we'll talk about it more as this conversation goes along but one of the core elements is that Typically, you think of the regular season as being predictive for what the, the caliber of, of a given team is. You know, by watching what they've done, you think you can predict what they'll do. This season, you mentioned some of the teams, but but everyone has such a, a, a story for why they're playing like they are right now that it makes it a little harder to gauge. Um, and I hear your point about the Bulls. Like, the question is, are they just a team that... You know, I mean, you guys have had Tibbs in the past. this happened with, with, with him a lot. A, a team that's working hard in the regular season that meshed in, in a certain way to take advantage of other teams that aren't hitting their stride just yet. Is, is, is that their ceiling? Is that all they are? Or can they be more? And I think, you know, kind of uh, piggybacking on the answer I just gave, I think that the key to the Bulls, being able to unlock the door to be a true contenders is DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think that Levine, Vucevic, um, even Lonzo Ball, they are really good players. They're what I used to talk with you about. Like, they're players that like, hey, they could be second or third best player on a a contender. Mm. Coming into this season, I would have said the same thing about DeMar DeRozan. I don't know that he's an... Apex level number one, you know, like, I don't know that, you know, if, if, the battle is between, uh, them and the Bucks, you know, I feel like the Bucks have the best player on the court, you know, or the same with, with the Nets. If Durant is playing, or if, if, you know, in a world where it happened, if they were playing the Lakers, you know, you would have to say, okay, well, LeBron is still the man, but I feel like DeRozan has separated himself from. The secondary player category and the extent to which he can maintain that in the postseason. Because that's another thing to, to kind of keep in mind. On those Raptors teams, DeRozan is a veteran in the postseason. Like he's been to the conference finals multiple times. So, I mean, he's never been to the mountaintop, but this won't be new to him. And he has experience in a way that Levine and Busevich and Ball and everyone else on the team don't. So, if he's able to be what he's been this regular season and maybe even step up when it counts, like right now I'm looking at the, the play by play data on BasketballReference.com for, for the Bulls. And I really like the plus minus stats. We've talked about that in the past. Mm-hmm. Even if we just go raw plus minus, you can look at the team and DeRozan just stands out like one off, like plus minus when the player's on the court versus when they're off the court. Levine is right around zero. He's plus 0. 0.7. Vucevic is plus 0. 0.3. Ball is plus 1.3. Like, they're all right around zero, right around neutral. DeRozan's plus 13.7. You know, like, when he's on the court, the, the team is plus 6.5, which would, you know, that's the type of... When he's on the court, essentially, they play, like, one of the best teams in the league. When he's off the court, they play, like, a below-average team. So, he's the key. If, if, if he can be what he's been, then, yeah, I think they have at least a puncher's chance against pretty much anyone. I would still not pick them necessarily over those teams, but I think they they I think they should have second round um expectations with conference finals possibilities and once you get that far, you never know what's going to happen. You saw that with the Hawks last year.
0: Okay, so I I will change my opinion depending on what the Bulls will do at the deadline, right? Because mm-hmm. okay, so I I when we get to about I would say March Andre, I think that maybe Ball will be healthy, Caruso will be healthy, and, and so they'll they'll get their full complement of players, but I'm wondering here at the deadline, every Bulls fan, you know, and most teams that's kind of in the middle, are trying to figure out, you know, should we add a piece? Are we buyers? And so what about the Bulls from that standpoint? Look at the roster of the Bulls, and you tell me is there a tradable piece that the Bulls could get rid of to be able to enhance their scoring?
1: Right. So the, the interesting thing, I'm not positive that their scoring is what needs to be enhanced. Um, you know, by, by the, the team measures, again, taking it with a grain of salt of this season being a little unusual. Their offense is potent. They're, you know, they, they rank number four in, in the NBA in offensive rating. Like, so they're, they're one of, by measure, one of the top offenses in the league where they've been a little more pedestrian is on defense. I think they're 19th in team defensive rating and, that to me that fits the expectation coming in with this group was we have a lot of guys with offensive talent um the the defense doesn't have the same amount of of cachet so when you start talking about you know trade rumors or trade targets players that they could trade away or try to trade for um i the, the player that comes to mind is a someone that if it were possible to trade for i look at, at uh, miles turner out of indiana mm-hmm. you know he's a big man that that you know plays more traditional rim protection which isn't necessarily vucevic's strong suit um he's been playing in this two big man offense um with with the for the last couple years so i feel like he might be able to he, he and vucevic might be able to coexist for periods at a time when they're not replacing each other he could knock down the three which is something means he should be getting good looks on an offense with this many options so i feel like he would be a player that if they could get him it would um it, it would fit with what they need now the question becomes <laughs> what do you give up to get him um and you know turner is one that, that i hear his name in 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 trade rumors for the last like year and a half um and, and the, the Pacers are obviously not where they thought they would be. They're, they're a team full of a lot of veterans that is like 14 games out of first place or something like that. Mm. So I feel like, you know, I feel like he could be had. I don't know if it's a first round draft pick and filler, um, knowing that the Bulls look like they're going to be having a relatively late first round pick. I don't know if, if that would be enough, but I would at least instigate the conversations um, you're not going to trade any of your core guys, but um, I don't know. Maybe a, a guy like Derek Jones, who's on an e- e- expiring deal that's you know almost ten million dollars, and, and he's been dealing with injury. Um, maybe you're able to put him with uh, you know some of your your other veteran type guys that that are uh, more mid level, five six million dollar a year contract, and it's not that hard to get to Turner's eighteen million. So. Once the the once it could structurally happen, then the question becomes how much added compensation, and I'm thinking draft picks would with the Pacers required to, to to make the moves.
0: Yeah. So okay, a couple of things on that. So the scuttlebutt is, what if the Bulls traded Kobe White? And I was thinking, well, Kobe White at this point in time is your best bench scorer. And, uh, and so you, you don't you don't trade necessarily someone that can give you double digits offensively for a big man that backs up Vucevic You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. like, it's just one of those things, and it's kind of like I I understand your point. Your point is like you have enough offense to be able to at least win a a playoff series against someone, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like if you're in the top four, you can beat someone in the you know, five to eight range in a playoff series. I guess what I'm looking at is, I look at the age of DeRozan, uh, and nothing, this is nothing against Levine, but you think about some of the veterans on that team, and you want to catch lightning in the bottle. But I'm not sure, like Io Desumu, he's, he's not expendable because now that's one of your rising stars. Dude is, <coughs> dude is unafraid. You have the numbers more than I do, but I could just, just watching the games, here's a guy here that seems efficient, and, <coughs> and that he's he continues to grow, uh, so I think he works for Billy Donovan. So it's interesting how the dynamic of this roster, and it's like, it's not like Atlanta or Boston. It's not one of those teams like, man, if we took if we added this piece, right? Say if you're Boston, you're like Tatum, you know, Brown, and Sabonis. Okay, all right, now, mm-hmm. now, now you're adding a little score. But with the Bulls, because they have enough pieces, you're saying, you know, it's, it's the defense that's the major issue with this team. And maybe you can't find that uh during the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like I feel like, you know, the comparison you just made, the Bulls and, and the Celtics, I feel like the Bulls are in a much better situation because they have, you know, the pieces, especially when healthy. They have the players that should be able to help them contend and they have some depth. You know, um uh, we, we we've talked about you know the Rosen, Vucevish, Levine and Ball, but then as you point out I really like, uh, Kobe White and Caruso is, is a backcourt combo off the bench, you know, the, the, with the mix of offense and defense and, and playmaking. Um, I like Io is, is, is kind of a, a third member of that crew, whether he's in the starting lineup or coming off the bench. I, 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 like them having that type of punch, uh, to supplement what they already have in their starting unit. Um, again, the, the area where I've, I, I see weaknesses is, is team defense and, I think to your point, as far as, you know, with Kobe White though, I think the Bulls are in a situation where they have a team good enough that you're not really looking for a smoking gun. Like, you're not just looking for like a, okay, if we could put our players together and get this one really good guy that fills our hole, then that'll put us over the top. I think they're, maybe surprisingly, but they're already kind of right at the top. What they need are tweaks. and And so if they're able to trade away players that aren't actively contributing or don't that they don't require to contribute at a high level to play well, if they're able to to package some of those players with future considerations, you know, like draft picks, and bring in a player like a Miles Turner that that is good enough to be a a contributor at a championship level as long as he's only asked to do what he's good at and, and and not required to carry too much load. I think, you know, I think they're in the position to make those type of put them over the top type deals. And, and they're the, those are the kind of deals that we've seen in recent years. Like I think about how when the Raptors won the championship, all of the buzz was, hey, they traded for Kawhi in the offseason and he came in and, and carried them. He didn't. They were already good. They were already the year before they had already been in the conference finals. Kawhi was able to you know going from DeRozan to Kawhi put them another level up but it was at the trade deadline when they traded for Mark Gasol that he was the type of player that gave them something that they didn't quite have and helped nudge them a little further so that they could handle teams like the Bucks in the playoffs because they, they had guys in the front line to be able to create their own mismatches um outside of of the superstars and I feel like the Bulls are in that vicinity. They're maybe not quite as good as the Raptors were with Kawhi, but they they made such a huge jump that if they're able to get their mark of soul, that could be enough to edge them even further and make them even more of a contender.
0: By the way, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard. A uh, moment of silence for Kawhi. Um... That you know, I was watching the Clippers and the Lakers the other night and I was like, there's something missing besides LeBron. It's like, oh, there's no Kawhi. And I've been reading on ESPN.com and it doesn't look good for his return this year. I that's sad because yeah. I like like seeing Kawhi when he's playing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um so I I uh work a lot with um Stefania Bell. Yeah. She's you know, like she, she's amazing, you know, especially she, she typically does football work. But we work a lot on um, NBA player injuries as well. And so coming into the season, we wrote an article about a lot of the guys that were injured at the time and when to expect them back and things of that nature. And, it's you know, it, it's not a perfect science. Um, like, for instance, we didn't know all that much about Zion Williamson's uh, foot injury at the time. But from what we were hearing, it didn't sound like it was going to be, you know, such a major consideration as it's been. But when it comes to Kawhi Leonard, even then it was like, okay, there's, when writing that type of article, there's what you think and what you can write, you know? Mm-hmm. And and there wasn't anything there officially that would, you know, allow us to write that, hey, it looks like, you know, it, it, it doesn't look great for him coming back this season. But there was enough that we were able to report to at least, hopefully, I don't, I hope, I hope that anybody that read that article was able to get the sense that it was going to be a surprise if Kawhi came back this season. So, you know, that article was written in like what October. Um, so, I, I'm, I, I for one am not so surprised. I mean, you consider they were calling it like. He partially tore his ACL. You can't partially tear your ligament. It's torn or it's not. You know. So yeah, essentially, can. he tore his ACL last summer, and so with the you know in the NBA, it, it it's very rare to see somebody come back from an ACL injury in months. You know, and they're definitely not going to be themselves for more than a year. And Kawhi had an injury ish, a history already. So it's like when you put those things together. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The the NBA is a better place when Kawhi's in it. You know, um, I, I'm I'm happy for all that brother's success, and I look forward to seeing him back on the court again. But I, I would have been surprised if he played again this season, and so I'm not surprised to hear that that seems unlikely.
0: Uh, so I want to ask you about Memphis, too, in the Western Conference. It's it's interesting and fun to watch Memphis, man. I mean, oh it's, it's, it's so much fun. It's a, a collegiate atmosphere. Those fans really are into Memphis. So h- how serious is this team as far as maybe solidifying a number three spot, being one of the top three teams in the West for the rest of the regular season?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like how you define the question. Defining it that way, I think they are serious contenders um, to be able to, to maintain their position. I mean, like, so if you look at the standings now, right, you've got the Suns in, in, out west. You've got the Suns and the Warriors that have kind of run away from everybody else. Um, the Warriors have dipped a little bit lately, but then now they're back on an eight-game win streak. So, you know, they're going to be there. Um, then you've got the Grizz in third, and then they're followed by the Jazz, the Mavs, and the Nuggets. Outside of the Jazz, who you know, I think they they really you know slid with with Donovan Mitchell out with his concussion. He's coming yeah. back. I think it you know they were expected to be at the top of the league, and and I could see them making a, a push to come back up. But outside of them, it seems like the Grizzlies are just playing at a level that they should be able to maintain their spot, and 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 really they make everybody else nervous. Like it's not an exact analogy, but. I always think about, I think it was an old Jamie Fox joke, where he was like, (laughs) when Mike Tyson was in his his heyday, if you walked into the party and they said, Mike Tyson's in the room, it's like, there's a pit bull in there. Like, people walking around like, oh, snap, Mike Tyson's right there, he's right there. (laughs) I I feel like that's how the Western Conference is when it comes to the Grizzlies. They're like, oh, snap, they over there. Here comes Ja jumping over everybody. dang, you know? (laughs) And (laughs) I don't see that stopping anytime soon. You know, I think they've they've caught their wave and they have a, a transcendent talent and then they have a team full of dogs that will all go get it i mean you know they're, they're not scared and i think that's a big thing like the other day kendrick perkins made the analogy that, that they could be the bingles of the nba this season which by the way wow. as a lifelong Bengals fan that was the most amazing thing i've ever heard like nobody wants to be compared to the Bengals right. ever so it's <laughs> like for, the, for that to be a good thing it was like oh snap but but, I mean, I think he had a good point in the sense that, you know, Joe Burrow is a cocky something. He he he, he believes when he stepped on the field, he don't care who he's playing. He like, you know, all right, you, you nice. How to he put it the other day? The Chiefs, y'all, y'all the second best team in the AFC. That's cool. You know, and <laughs> John Morant is the exact same way. He come out there like, who are you? Okay, well, I'm going to dunk on you. All right, nice to meet you. You know, like, I mean, that's just where his mind is. And so, yeah, the the, the Grizzlies are the deal. I don't think
0: they're they going nowhere. Man, Desmond Bain is fun to watch. Morant, of course, but Jaron Jackson probably was snubbed in the All Star game, possibly. But the, I mean, just look at that team. It's just it is fun to watch. And by the way, the the juxtaposition of Mike Brown in the in his suite <laughs> watching the game and the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And, and there was a part. It was a party, in the Hunt family, and it's like it was just Brown with just a, a rolled up like you know racing form. And an old yeah. hat. It, it was it was amazing because it was just like Brown sitting by himself, and then the Kansas City box on that game i watching is like a hundred people in there having a party. I'm like, wow, what's at yeah. the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, obviously the Brown family has always owned the Bengals. You know, it was Paul Brown who started it. Mike Brown's his son. Yeah. Now, you know, his uh, the next generation beneath him. Uh, his daughter uh, Katie Blackburn. She she does a lot of the day to day running of the team these days. And, you know, they have the reputation that's probably well deserved for, you know, not being the most progressive, not being the most, you know, uh, uh, willing to invest. And, in, and as you point out in that juxtaposition, not. You know, not having the atmosphere of, a uh, hey, it's a group of us and we're all working hard. You know, there's the stories of them having like a single scout when everybody else has a hundred and not having an indoor facility. You know, all, all those things I've lived with for 44 years. <laughs> um, so it, it's crazy that, you know, it almost feels like
2: they just kind of backed into this team you know and maybe that's not giving them enough credit but
1: you know they have this team with all of this young talent that's concentrated they all have that mindset of like hey we about to do this and y'all can come along for the ride too if if, i guess if you want that uh you know for me obviously this has been one of the most fun seasons to watch in a really long time
0: (laughs) so so dre i am blessed because i'll be able to call uh, Sierra Canyon against Glenbard West in Chicago. Oh, the high yeah. school Chipotle Clash of Champions, Bronny James is bringing Sierra oh, yeah. Canyon to the team. So I was wondering, is there a possibility that Bronny could play on the current Lakers team just for an infusion of youth? <laughs> is there a possibility that maybe he could be a rotation player with Reeves? You know, like oh, yeah. a, a good back, a young backcourt. Is that possible?
1: If 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 there were a beagle way to do it, like, you know good and well that LeBron would have been had him on the team. <laughs> <laughs> he'd have been in the rotation, you know, and, and not only would he be on the team, the team would be better because LeBron would be channeling 24-year-old LeBron even more than he has been because yes. he'd be trying to show out for his son. Um, yeah, I, I think that that you know, I, I agree with you that, you know, it's a blessing for you to be able to to call that game and yeah. to be in this atmosphere. is one of the more amazing ongoing sports stories that i've ever seen you know i grew up again talked about the cincinnati Bengals. i was a cincinnati reds fan too i remember when ken griffey junior and senior got to play with each other and i think they had one game where they hit back-to-back home runs or something home runs in the same inning and it was like how does this happen when does this ever happen you know and the fact that lebron is still effectively playing at an mvp level And Bronny is maybe like two or three years away from being able to join him in the league. I think that's, I mean, I think that's bananas. Like that's, in the NBA, that's something I would never have expected to ever see because it's such a athletically demanding league, so... You know, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see how this plays out.
0: That's a it's a great um, parallel um, talking about the Griffies because that was just amazing. Like old man Griffey, who still had it. By the way, you still strong, can still hit home runs, and the mm-hmm. young Griffey in the same lineup. That's bananas, man. And I I don't yeah. know how that works in the league, man. Because I may I was talking about this earlier uh, this week with the Tom Brady retirement. It's like. Yeah, Brady, you played for sixteen games a, a season. He stayed as healthy as possible, but basketball is a different animal. I mean, I mean the, the rigors of up and down and and you know running and jumping and eighty two plus games plus 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 playoffs plus 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 finals. Like it's the wear and tear. I, I hope LeBron makes it. I mean, he might he might like he might be on a walker. But he wants to, he wants to be there up and down the floor with Bronny or or against Bronny. I get that. That'd be a great moment for the league.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's one of the things with as far as this season goes that is is kind of from to me an under the radar maybe sad story is too strong of a way to put it, but everyone knew that LeBron needed to be able to coast some in the regular season because he's trying to extend his career. He's trying to make more moments in the postseason, and it's not been a secret. And I think he's officially come out and said he's trying to play at least till, till Bronny comes in the league. And the fact that the Lakers have been so bad that this dude is is— having to play like he's 28 you know like minutes wise the 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 amount he has to carry the squad and he's had to do that in like December and January and February like that's just to me it seems like that's just actively subtracting time off of the back end of his career and so you know I I don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as Anthony Davis was uh, healthy enough to play all of a sudden LeBron immediately had a you know they, a, a knee issue that, that required him to sit on the bench like I, I i think that that was by design i think the team was like look we got to get this dude some rest y'all gonna have to figure this out because you know we can't just have him burning out in february and then by may he's done and in you know and in two years he's done like like they're trying to keep him around for a while
0: okay Dre. just a couple of quick hitters for you because again the deadline's right around the corner this is just a, a, just off the top of your head. Teams that should make a deal or maybe they should stand pat. I'm just going to give you a few teams. Okay. So um, so Cleveland, which is a great story, by the way. I think the Cavs are a great story. Do you think the Cavs should stand pat or make a deal?
1: If they can make the right deal, I think they should make a deal. Um, we have a, a NBA trade uh, uh, article that, where we suggest different potential trades. And I'm working on one with the Cavs. I really like Colin Sexton, but he's a young guy that his contract is ending and he's out for the season. I mean, I don't know if I'm giving things away, what I'm thinking about for this article. But if they could swing a deal built around Sexton where they could trade for a guy like a Bradley Beal, you know, somebody that could contribute right now, um, they're also right there to be able to make the leap. But unlike the Bulls, I think they do need another impact player. So if they can make that type of move, I think they should be buyers. Knicks? The Knicks.
0: <sighs> <laughs> it's not the, <laughs> Bing Bong. It's not as it's not as good as you thought it was gonna be. Bing Bong. Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> so for the Knicks, I, I think that I think that their fans want them to go in the direction that they should not go. They are not in a position where they could make one move and be contenders. And I think they could mortgage what could be a kind of kind of promising future. So I wouldn't have them necessarily be buyers trying to look for something big um if anything if they could get some extra uh, future considerations like draft picks and, and and things to build around uh that that maybe should be more their move uh at this stage of their development
0: all right two more uh minnesota I'm you, a big Timberwolves you, guy. you didn't expect <laughs> this though right i mean none of us expected this
1: yeah yeah none of us expected this um I think we we we're, we're seeing what they have in Edwards and and him and, and and Big Cat That's 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 nice. So for them, I don't think they necessarily need to be buyers because I think they have a lot of talent that they're trying to figure out what, you know, where it it's how it's going and it's going in a positive direction right now. So I would say, you know, they gave away their, their or they traded away their draft pick last year. I think, you know, play this out, see how things go, and, um, you know, uh, enjoy the ride because it's the most fun they've had there since 2004.
0: Okay, and one more for you, and that is, ah, oh, so many. Um, <laughs>
1: How about um, Dallas? Dallas could make a move mm-hmm. um, because it just doesn't the, – the, the structure of their team – with Luca and Porzingis, just is is not working. With with that being like the the the, the core foundation, um, they they can catch lightning in a bottle because they have enough talent that they can be a hard out, like we've seen these last couple of years in the playoffs. But I don't see them as the team that could come out the west. And I think that Luca is a player that's good enough that they should be able to build a team that could contend to come out of the west. So so yeah, I I, I can see them making a move, um, especially if they're able to add add players that fit long term around Luka not just bringing in somebody that they think will help him win a few more games this year
0: okay last thing and I appreciate your time All, all-star All snubs everybody can't make the all-star game I get that but LaMelo Ball or somebody from the Hornets should have been represented and I think that yeah. LaMelo Ball is at the top I have Jared Allen written down from the Cavs and shy, 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 Ooh, shy. um Shea Gilgis Alexander is on my list as well so yeah, can you? Is there anyone that you think is missing from that that possibly should have been there?
1: Yeah, um, I, I would have Jalen Brown on that list as well from the Celtics. Um, honestly, for most of the year, it felt like he's been playing better than Jason Tatum. I mean, just keeping it real, and so uh, uh, he's averaging twenty four something a game, and he's been he's shown he can be more well well rounded. You know, he's been able to crash the boards. Um, he's even been like a. Um, Uh, offense initiator for the team several times so I would also have him on that list Um, you're talking about Shea Gilgis-Alexander he still has a shot because Draymond is going to be out so they're going to have to to, you know replace him with somebody but um, in the East you know all of those names um, you know Jared Allen has been a, a, a dog all year and and so um yeah and, and of course the Hornets I mean <laughs> they they're like the only playoff team that don't, doesn't have any representation uh, on the all-star in the, in the all-star game so I think uh LaMelo probably should have made his debut this year man if
0: Michael cared man he'd be really upset <laughs>
1: um anyway
0: so
2: <laughs>
1: it said in the chicago
2: market y'all know
0: y'all boy. <laughs> if michael cared boy you'd be really pissed off at that of, of miles bridges or Melo not being in the all-star game but hey man how can you care when you're on the golf course man seriously i mean man
1: and you've had that life you know what i'm saying like i i, I know he's still competitive but he's got the ultimate check the resume like you know what i'm saying like i won like he walks around for the rest of his life i won and <laughs> i can play golf for the rest of my life and yeah it's got to be a little hard to care
0: <laughs> tell people what you're working on you was talking about the um you was talking about possibilities for kind of what we're talking about right regarding uh the trade deadline
1: oh yeah yep so that's a piece that's going to run on on espn.com on the nba vertical um it, it's an ensemble piece we we do it a couple times a year, maybe, where several writers will come in with trade ideas that that, 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 that they like, that they think, you know, can make a difference at, at, the, uh, at the trade deadline or wherever it is. And I always, you know, have to pull out the resume because it's like, okay, in 2017 or 18, whatever it was, the year before, um, in this article, I wrote that, you know, the the Raptors should really trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. Like that was that that was my pet trade. And then of course it happened and the Raptors won a championship. And then last year, um, before the season started, I, I wrote, you know, What the Milwaukee Bucks need to get over the top, they should really trade for Drew Holiday. And then they went to trade for Drew Holiday, and they won a championship. So I'm I'm building a little track record. I'm hoping the NBA execs are looking like, hey, this brother seems to know what he's talking about. But uh, (laughs) by by all means, you know, um, I, I hope anybody listening to this checks out the article. It's supposed to run next Wednesday or Thursday, right before the
0: trade deadline. Hey, man, as always, I appreciate you coming on. I just wanted to get your thoughts because the deadline's right around the corner, and Bulls fans are, like, you know, hanging in there. For sure, it's a different vibe at the United Center because the team is good. It's not just the Zach Levine show. So this is going to be an interesting stretch for the Bulls without Caruso, who got undercut by that dirty-ass, you know, Grayson Allen. Um and, and of course, what's going on with Lonzo Ball. so But what's what the fortunate thing is they do have guys that can initiate offense still without those two. So that's, exactly. that says a lot. You know, you're tie for first with Jimmy and the Heat and see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. well Once you're in the game, anything can happen.
0: Andre, as always, man, thanks for coming on the show.
1: All right, thanks for having me. I look forward to the next time.
0: So as we record this on Friday morning, The Nets have lost six straight games and Kevin Durant's out with an injury, which is devastating, not only to the Nets, but also the league, because it's always fun to see KD out there. And so they've lost six straight. And Kyrie Irving has made sure that he's doubled down to say that, hey, you know, I'm not going to play home games uh, until things have changed as far as New York and uh, COVID-19 restrictions. Former Nets point guard Kenny Anderson weighed in on SiriusXM XM NBA radio, uh, was not happy uh, with the Nets and Kyrie Irving.
1: I'm really bothered by
0: it, but uh, Kyrie, you know, is, a, goes with a, is a, a different young man. He goes by his own drummer, you know what I mean? And you, gotta, you just got to
1: deal with it. But um, Harden is playing up and down with this injury he had, and then Kevin Durant has got injured. So it's a long season. You just you just gotta wait and see. But right now, the way things are going, we don't it, it don't look
0: good for 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 the for the Brooklyn Nets. But when you have those three talented players, you just don't know what may happen. You know, if and, and Kyrie by him not playing just on road games, it's, it's kind of it's hurting the team somewhat. Was just talking to Andre Stellings about the Knicks and whether or not the Knicks are going to make a deal or not. Uh, there's a rumored deal out there that possibly Julius Randle for De'Aaron Fox. So it would be the Knicks and the Sacramento Kings making a deal. You know, it, nothing against Julius Randle. Julius Randle has been a fine player, but just not like a, a one, like a go-to guy. Even though he's played like that at times for the Knicks, there's just needs a need for them to have more star power. Um, you got to have more weapons. And you're just not going to grind teams out defensively like Tom Thibodeau thinks he you can. Um, I know that this team, there's a starting five that Thibodeau has thrown out there, at least as of two weeks ago, that was the worst defensive team, uh, the worst defensive five in the league. And so I know that grates and that eats at Tom Thibodeau because he's a defensive coach first. But you need to have offense. I mean, not saying that defense is um, uh, that defense sometimes happens, sometimes does. I just think uh, the the Knicks need to be able to change some things for sure. Uh, some thoughts from Brian Windhorst: Could we see a deal?
2: There is interest in Julius Randall up there, despite what you said about his contract. Because the contract that he signed isn't out of line for a player who played like he did last year. In fact, right. if he were to play like he did last year, it's a big if, but if he were to play like that, it would be a value contract. I know that's maybe right. hard to, to, to stomach for, for the Knicks fans right now. But he's also a wing player. You know, I mean, he's a combo forward. Uh, those guys are hard to find. You know, like right now, if I said to you, What's you know? Do you need a point guard? Do you need a center, or do you need a wing? What's the hardest? The Teams would say the wing. Finding a, finding a quality wing is the hardest. So, Randall has value, especially if you were willing to trade him for potentially, uh, you know, a, a guard. And um, that may be a market that the Knicks can get into, or it may just be clearing a, a body or two out so that, they, so that there's more time. Grimes, if there's more time for reddish there's more time for quickly um but that's the word that i got is that the knicks are you know sort of letting teams know our veterans are available to be moved and um you know quite frankly it's the correct decision they probably they kind of they, they, they outplayed their station last year and while that was really fun to watch it may have messed with their progression and i think they're trying to right the ship back to the progression a little bit
0: Wendy, would you see a possibility of a baby Julius Randall, De'Aaron Fox match with the Kings, Fox in the first year of that long extension, and and possibly in some position-wise, both teams, it would seem one guy would fit the other team better in terms of the players around them?
2: That concept has been broached.
0: One trade that took place on Friday as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, the Los Angeles Clippers traded Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and future second round pick to the Portland Trail Blazers for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. So the Trail Blazers looking like that they're going to be resetting. And that m- makes you wonder so what's up with Dame Lillard? You know, Dame Lillard seeing the Blazers pretty much trading Gary Trent Jr. for Eric Bledsoe. That's kind of what had happened there in that scenario. So, what does Portland look like for the future? Well, as always, I appreciate you checking out the Under the Hood basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings. And I appreciate everyone listening on the and J Hood podcast feed or on Spotify. Of course, you can get this podcast on Spotify. That way you never miss an episode. And thanks so much for checking in. And it's going to be a busy Saturday, February 5th, for yours truly. I'm calling three games for the first time in my career. At least I think I am. Um, I'm calling UIC against Youngstown State. I can't remember doing more than two games in a day, but... Uh, UIC against Youngstown State on ESPN Plus with Chris Bleck from our station ESPN 1000. And then I work with my radio partner, and that is David Kaplan, uh, starting at 6 o'clock Central for two high school basketball games for the Chipotle Clash of Champions, Glenbrook South against Curie, followed by Bronnie James and the uh, Sierra Canyon team against Glenbard West. Oh, that's going to be great. Basketball is Hood with me, Jonathan Hood. Don't forget, let me get your thoughts on Twitter.com, TweetJHood, on my Facebook wall, Facebook.com, and of course, Instagram, hood. You love basketball, you have come to the right place. The Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.